This is the Building Management Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. As people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. Regardless of the ups and downs in the stock market, if these manufacturers, these plants, and these entities want to stay open, they need water. Hello and welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me is Summer Street, the Director of Marketing at Polygon. Summer, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about restoring and preserving valuable papers and archival documents and that sort of thing. And we're going to talk about the importance of historical documents as well and really dive into this topic of what Polygon does and why it's so important. So, uh, Summer, let's just start off here. Some of of our history, just as humanity, has really come from uh, written documents and writing down important events and documenting them. So why is it so important to preserve these records? Well, uh, I think you hit on a good point. Um, for, for sure, in ancient times, there was always a verbal recollection of a tribe's or a culture's history. And once we began to go to the written word, it was much more permanent and also something that could be spread amongst different communities. So it helped unify us as a people. Um, you can't preserve oral history Uh, as well as you can the written record. I mean, it's just not possible. So in order to keep a lot of our traditions alive and understand where people came from, we do rely heavily on written uh, documents. And of course, those can be not only on paper, but in the ancient times, if you're talking about something like the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, you're talking about parchment and vellum and animal skins and all sorts of different ways that people were able to document uh, their per- per- personal narratives and their history. And in order to keep those going, we have to be able to restore them and preserve them and conserve them. Absolutely. And you, you brought up just the, the oral history there. You know, eventually someone wrote down the Odyssey by Homer, you know, which was always historically, you know, uh, spoken word, but eventually someone wrote it down. And now we still have, um, you know, what what that was now because someone eventually put it on, put it on parchment. So, uh, and even as we talk about just different eras and different um, times in history, I'm guessing that the composition of, of the uh, the product that was written upon has changed over the years. So how how would preserving something like the Dead Sea Scrolls be different than preserving um, maybe the, the Declaration of Independence or something like that, something that's been written relatively recently in terms of, of history? Well, it's, it's incredibly different, and, it, and it's an important note of distinction because what we do here at Polygon, we work on paper. We work on paper and, and paper document restoration, which can include a lot of archival materials. When you get into really ancient things, as I said before, those were typically written on animal skin. They didn't have the ability to make paper, actually. Paper making was a huge, huge innovation in the in the history of civilization. So those, those kind of... Um, documents if you, they're still documents of course but the way that they're treated because you know you look at let's say a piece of leather to make it easy to to think about versus a piece of paper well leather behaves differently it's going to age differently it's going to absorb inks and solvents differently so that has to be treated in a very separate way now some of those things might overlap 
Um, for example, vacuum freeze drying. And vacuum freeze drying is a really interesting process that involves utilizing a chamber where you put documents or even vellum or parchment or animal skins in this particular situation. If someone knows how to operate the chamber uh, correctly, you can put them in there frozen. And what it does is it goes through the process of sublimation. What sublimation means is you take something from a, you take water from a frozen state and instead of going, typically you go from frozen to liquid to vapor. When you have a huge amount of negative pressure, you go from frozen to vapor. So the important part is it doesn't get wet again. Getting wet and the wet cycle of any document or any piece of parchment or any piece of leather is the most dangerous spot. When it's wet, it can, first of all, the, uh, the inks can bleed. So if you're talking about older things, they are always using soluble inks. They didn't have ballpoint pens. They're using paint. They're using things that run with water. So you do not want them to be wet. Um, wet is the danger. Also, of course, when it's wet, depending on your humidity and your temperature, it can grow mold which is also another danger for these things. So the, the beauty of the vacuum freeze drying is it avoids those two problems, ink bleed and mold. And it keeps the, the, uh, the either the paper or the animal hide safer. So in both of those instances, we can use that technology, um, but then it can differentiate. You wouldn't put a piece of leather and a piece of paper in the vacuum freeze dryer together because you have to use different temperatures and you have to use different um, timings so that you protect the, the base material. Uh, however, again, it is a similar technology. You just have to work with someone who knows how to handle the more specific materials. It's very important because they're all handled differently, even though you're utilizing the similar technology. Absolutely. So you're talking about some of the biggest dangers there to, to historical documents, uh, mentioning specifically water. What are some other, uh, some other dangers uh, to historic documents that you have to constantly guard against when it comes to preservation? Well, water is absolutely number one. It's just the most pervasive. You've got, let's just say you've got, I'm going to use an example from the National Archives. Um, they have millions and millions of records that are um, a variety of things. And these are more recent records. So military records, government documents, etc. Several things are a danger to these records. Number one is water, because all you need to do is have a sprinkler head burst and all of a sudden your documents are wet. So yes, you're providing protection from fire, um, but you're absolutely exposing them to the water damage. So you kind of have to, you have to balance your risk. For example, the same, the, the NARA facility that I'm talking about in 1973, they had a massive fire, just a massive fire in the document storage facility over six million documents burned but they didn't burn entirely because the sprinkler systems went off and put out the fire so in that case we not only had the damage from the fire and the soot and the residue we also had water damage to deal with so that was sort of a one-two punch um, on on the, on the good note over the years it's been you know decades since that happened 
they have been able to restore several million pieces of the documents that were, again, the military personnel records, which are a vital document. And when I say vital document, that means it's intended to exist in perpetuity. You can have documents like your tax records. You're familiar that you're only supposed, you need to keep those for seven years and then you can destroy them. Vital records are never intended to be destroyed. They are considered a part of history and a part of the important cultural institution of which the documents were created by. Um, so in this case, like I said, we had the fire and the water. There were definitely things lost, um, but the restoration process is had, has been very beneficial. Number one, one of the things you want to do when something like this happens, and I tell people all the time, even if it's in your personal collection, if something happens, you want to freeze your documents. So even if, you, let's say, you have a flood in your home, and you have, let's say, a family Bible, something like this, that's very important to you, it's, in, it's important to your family, the first thing you want to do with that is put it in your freezer. And on a large scale, we do that with large losses as well. When documents are frozen and you can freeze leather, you can freeze everything, it halts at least the damage. So it's not going to get more wet, it's not going to get more degraded. Um, it's, it's going to be able to be stored in freezer storage until you can make a good decision on how you want to move forward with the project. Because the thing about restoration and conservation, it is not cheap. That's interesting. That, that's really fascinating to me. So when it comes to when it comes to paper and when it comes to these materials, I think part of what you're describing is surprising to me that there is able to be a restoration process even after something has experienced water damage or even been involved in uh, in a fire or something like that. Just how resilient is water is is paper as a as a product and, and, and how many, uh, I guess, how many different ways are there to really make sure that these, these records are preserved? Well, that's a great question. And I will tell you, you aren't, you are not the first who has been shocked. In fact, every time I talk to people about paper, they are always shocked because when people think about paper, they think about the telephone book that dropped in the water. They think about the newspaper that turns to mush. Um, but that is not the kind of paper we're talking about. That's a very specific paper that is going to not be able to respond. But your, your traditional paper, it's actually incredibly hardy. Even the copy paper you use in your, in your ZRX machine, it is um, milled in a certain way that it actually can stand up to just about anything. You would be absolutely shocked if you've seen the things after, let's say, a hurricane or um, a giant flood, people think about the paper last. And so by the time we see it, it might be still wet, it might be stuck together, it's covered in mold. And in some cases, of course, there's nothing that can be done. But in the vast majority, even if you have a book that is completely saturated, um, you've, you've kept it in a cool place, if the paper is not bound together in what we call blocking, um, and then it, it, it actually becomes impossible to separate the pages, if it has not blocked, the vacuum freeze dry process can bring all of that moisture out. Then you have to go into hand cleaning, of course. So if we have mold and those sorts of things, that's actually, it's arduous because humans have to go through page by page 
use um, vacuums, use sponges, use brushes in order to remove any kind of particulate matter, whether it's mold or soot or, or dust or asbestos or all the kinds of things we see that infiltrate the paper. And um, I, I have to say that we have an excellent success rate in bringing that paper back to usable quality. Is it going to look the same way that it was when it was first created? No. It's always going to be inherently changed. Is it going to be usable, readable, still a very important part of your personal history or um, community history? Yes. That's really fascinating. Now, how much has this uh, industry maybe grown and evolved or changed over the last several years? Is, is this something that has been, um, is document preservation something that's been happening for a long time, or is it still relatively new and, and still kind of developing as an industry? No, it's, it's been around for centuries. Um, the, tech, the technology, since uh, with the vacuum freeze-drying chambers and that kind of power that we're able to add to the process, is new. I would say maybe 30 years. 30 years we've been able to do that. But when you're talking about historic arch archivists and historic conservation, the manual techniques have been around for as long as there's been art and documents and, and things that need to be preserved. It's, it's definitely not uh, available for mass quantities, that kind of thing. So I'd say the biggest change is people have always known how to restore and preserve and conserve paper, but they have not been able to do it in the mass quantities we can do now. So if you had a document warehouse that had 50,000 boxes of paper. Uh, 40 years ago, absolutely not. There's no way you could have done anything with that. Now, all of that can be restored. Wow, that's that sounds like a, a, a ton of work and a ton of uh, effort being in to restore that. But that's interesting now that that is possible and that we've moved forward to to that extent, I suppose. So um, if someone's listening to this and they think... Um, uh, or, or let, let's just say there's there's a disaster of some kind, whether it be sprinklers go off or uh, a fire or something like that. Have you ever gone into a, a certain situation and, and said, yeah, this can actually be salvaged when people thought that there was no way that there would be any, any ability to save any of the documents or anything like that? All the time. Hmm. All the time. I would say probably, uh, let me give you an example that's a little more recent than Katrina because we probably salvaged 20 semi truckloads of documents in Katrina. But let's let's go back to 2012 in Hurricane Sandy in New York City. Um, it was a devastating storm and the financial district of Manhattan was underwater. And many, many of those buildings, New Yorkers of course all know this, but uh, I'm from the Midwest and we only have one basement typically. Well, in New York, because space has always been at a premium, they have three to seven stories of basements underground. And of course, that's where everyone always stores the records. That's just where they go, because they're not sure if they need them. They never predict this sort of thing. Well, with Sandy, you know, you were at, say, we were at one building. It's a 80-story skyscraper. It has seven sub-basements, and they had water up to the first floor. So you had seven sub-basements plus the first floor that were degraded by not only water, seawater, 
and those kinds of floods bring all sorts of other things into the mix. Oil, fuel, contaminants, um, fecal matter. It's the worst kind of black water that you can experience. Well, we got there and there were 30,000 boxes uh, that had been affected in this particular company's archives. And luckily they were able to realize they only really needed 2,000 of the boxes. And so they were able to destroy 28,000 boxes, which was still quite a feat, but that's a, a subject for another day. But the 2,000 boxes were completely saturated. They had been covered in drywall. They were covered in black water, like I said, with all sorts of things in it. And in that case, we were able to dry them while well, we froze them first. Luckily, that was a very bitter, bitter cold week. So we had a little more time before mold grew, but we were able to get them frozen. And then over the next several months to a year, we were able to freeze dry them, vacuum freeze dry them, uh, get all the papers separated and put them through gamma radiation. Because when you have that kind of very toxic water, you don't want you don't want anything living on it and gamma radiation will destroy anything, any sort of uh, biological growth, mold, any kind of bacteria, it's all gone. So all of those 2000 boxes were absolutely fine and usable and they needed to keep them for another seven to 10 years to, uh, to, you know, not break the law, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I think maybe some people will be listening to this and thinking, well, digitization is a big thing. You know, you can, you know, make copies and scan documents and that sort of thing. But it's still really vitally important in a lot of different areas to have original copies of, of you know, of certain documents and that sort of thing. So it, it's, it's still very important, even in an age where you can digitize files and that sort of thing and, and keep a lot of things on your computer, you still have to have the original records of a lot of things. Right, and, and that is, in, in, particularly in certain industries, um, there, there is a shift, right? As uh, right now in healthcare, they're already now healthcare, I'm just gonna use them in, as an example, while they're producing a paper record for their doctors maybe to interface with, they're also digitizing and storing that. So they are protecting themselves and I expect to see much less um, activity with that. But we, are, we all think that this thing, this happens overnight. But the reality is so many, so many businesses are not digitized yet. You'd be surprised. They are not scanning. They are not saving to the cloud or saving to hard drives, they still rely on paper records. So that's still important, but we see this industry moving more towards cultural and historical and archival needs as, it, as things progress in the next decade or two decades and more people are on the digital bandwagon. The problem with ancient, or not even ancient, but older records that are paper, scanning them is absolutely prohibitively expensive so if someone doesn't hasn't started with digital and already has it on file they have to go back and scan and that costs far more than the risk of having to maybe restore uh, you know 20,000 boxes if something happened so you've still got a lot of people that are basically on the fence with that 
Absolutely. Well, it's important work that you're doing, and it's really exciting just to get to learn a little bit more about it. So, Summer, thank you so much for joining me today and kind of giving us that uh, that base understanding of, of what it is that you do at Polygon and why it's so important. Excellent. Well, thank you. I, I find paper fascinating. I, I hope other people do, too. And the preservation of our cultural history is always something that matters to me. So hopefully someone was... Uh, entertained today absolutely well i have a new appreciation for the xerox printer the, you know the the paper that goes in the xerox printer here at work uh respect the paper tyler that's a, that's a great point respect the paper that should be the uh, the subtitle of this episode summer street like respect it. the paper thanks again summer <laughs> thank you so much